listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. Let's talk about working remotely. Yeah. This is a timely topic for many of us, but it also is an important one to cover just for the foreseeable future and because there are a lot of product designers who have been working remotely today, right? Yep. And when you listen to this episode four years from now and you're like, what are they talking about? Um, we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic and a lot of folks who um, have jobs or are looking for jobs or are curious about how that affects um, their day-to-day life because they're working from home, whether you're in a quarantine area or not, um, or you know, getting jobs. And, and we're not going to spend too much time talking about that, but we thought it would be appropriate to talk about you know, working remotely when you're a designer, how does that work? How to do it well? Um, Have you ever had to work remotely for an extended period of time? No, actually. I mean, I've, I've done work from home and I've done flexible, but not, not to this extent where, you know, the entire companies are going remote sort of overnight. Um, and so part of me goes, you know, Hey, maybe in, I don't know if you have or not, but are we the best people to talk about it? Mm. But, um, something I've, you know, being in a leadership role, it's something that we've been talking a lot about and how to set people up well. And we've been having a a lot of open dialogues. Um, have you ever worked remotely? I'm excited to talk about this. No, um, I've not worked remotely like you. I've done some working from home occasionally, you know, one day a week or something. Uh, I remember our time at Facebook. That was a pretty common thing to do, but that's very different than, staying home for weeks on end and not having face-to-face time yeah. with your peers. Yeah, and you've definitely done like a lot of working from home when you're working on your projects, but there's so many different elements of this, which is like, how do you set yourself up to work well? Um, which, you know, you could do on your work from home days or whether you're working on a side project and that's sort of like all you. But then when you start to work with other folks um, – and there's a, you know, there's a scenario where not everybody is remote and it's, uh, you know, a distributed team, which basically means people are in different locations or there's like full on remote where everyone is working from home or, or some sort of an office or workspace. So there's a, there's a range of things. And I think what we're experiencing right now is really relevant, especially if you're, you know, just starting out and figuring out, you know, well, Hey, is it better to work remotely or is it better to work from home or is it better to be in the office? Um, and this is something we find that people, uh, have really strong opinions on. Um, and I, I think it's interesting too, because, um, my opinions have actually changed after a week. Um, and I thought I had pretty strong opinions before on working remotely. So you're, yeah, you're talking about people who feel remote work is either the only way to work or... Yeah, like the the future of tech is remote work and that way you can hire, you know, there's benefits to it. You can hire anywhere um, and people can, uh, you know, buy homes in non-Bay Area or uh, non-New York City area type places and be able to afford um, what they need and not have to like relocate to Silicon Valley. Um, Where prices are just insane. (laughs) So I I do feel like I've been fortunate in that when I worked at Atlassian, they, you know, they were fairly distributed. We had to work with teams in Australia. Uh, When I was recently at Lyft, I had to work with teams in Munich and London and Palo Alto and San Francisco and Seattle. So that was a daily occurrence where 
you know, I was still in an office. I still had a team around me, but many, many of my peers and my stakeholders were essentially remote. Yeah. Well, and there, there's layers of this too. It's like, um, remote might mean everybody works from their home or a workspace that they rent or whatever. Um, but a lot of the, the things that you're talking about is like having a distributed team. And we do that at Intercom too. We have offices in London and in Dublin and, you know, I'm in San Francisco. So the core people that I work with on a day-to-day basis or most of our teams work with are actually local to San Francisco, but there is, you know, some overlap that we have to think about in time, which is, you know, from eight to 10 in the morning, that's when that sort of prime crossover happens. Um, when I led the team at Udacity, I also had folks who were, um, the core team was local, but I had somebody who worked in San Luis Obispo. Um, I had somebody who was working for Amsterdam. Um, we had a fellow teammate in India. So there's like different sort of distribution models. Um, I think what we should get into, and you can take this a different way if you feel so, uh, it, it's, it's better, but, um, I think what we should talk about is like how, how to set yourself up when you're working in a distributed environment. Cause a lot of my perspective is um, how to a set myself up, but also how to manage well and to keep the um, the impact of the business going really while still making sure my teammates are happy and healthy and productive and challenged and all the things that they need from their careers. Yeah. So you touched on this a minute ago in saying there are pros and cons to working remotely or distributed, right? Let's talk a little bit about first, as we dive into this, as we start to uncover the ground of how can you, as a designer or a design leader, how can you kind of make sure you're, you're doing what you need to do to ensure things are getting done, that you're building relationships and stuff. Let's, let's talk first about some of the roadblocks or some of the issues that come about as working remotely. So for example, you know, we've been doing this, I think for a week now, two weeks now, you and I, Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about some of the things we've seen or heard or observed uh, or that otherwise we think can be kind of a problem that people, individuals will need to overcome or face or confront uh, in order to do their best work remotely, right? So for example, one of the things that I think you end up missing and not being in a real world environment with your peers is that it's much harder to kind of just casually check on each other. For example, if you're in the same office, it's very easy to kind of walk around and you can see, oh, you know, Sarah's over on her desk and she's on Twitter. Maybe it's a good time for me to just poke her and say, Hey, how's her, how are things going? Right. When you're working re- hard or hardly working <laughs> <laughs> when you're re- working remote, you don't have that capacity to just kind of instantly check in and glance at what someone's doing. Instead, you have to be much more proactive, almost invasive and in, like nudging. people. Yeah. I was talking to one of my folks um, yesterday and she mentioned how she felt um, bad about reaching out to teammates now that we're in a remote scenario And, you know, you wouldn't feel bad if you're sitting next to somebody kind of like nudging them and being like, do you have a second? But now that we can actually see people and see their reactions when they're offline, um, we don't know if somebody's like in front of their computer, if they're, you know, in a focus mode or if they're like off getting lunch or something like that. And there's those things that we can circumvent, but that ease of connection, there's a, there's a small barrier that didn't used to be there. Um, one of the things that I found extremely useful this week is we normally do everything over Google Hangouts, which is sort of an arranged time. Um, we use Slack at work. And so Slack calls are amazing. It's literally like just, you know, it's, it's my equivalent of tapping somebody on the shoulder and saying, do you have a minute? Um, and the nice thing about the Slack calls is there's actually a a picture 
that stays in front of your screen. So you can still go and move around Slack and other places on the internet. Um, but you can still see the person that you're talking to. So you actually don't have to drop everything to have a formal call. You can just like have a quick chat. Um, a lot of people don't know this. I, I think, mm-hmm. um, for those who aren't aware, Slack does have this calling feature. It's a thing that admins of a workplace or uh, kind of group need to enable. Okay. Um, another one that comes to mind is like just distractions. Um, for those of us who, well, actually you and I were really lucky because we've been working on a home office for a while. But for for those who have sort of found themselves in this scenario, it's easy to just sort of say like, oh, I'm going to work from home or work remotely. It's fine. And you don't think about things like your workspace setup or, you know, how, how annoying is it going to be to working at home with your two dogs? Um, not saying that's us or anything, um, or what it's like, you know, to have to stop and get packages or, you know, if you're in a scenario where you have childcare lockdown, maybe you don't. Um, there's a lot of things that sort of come up that feel like, um, they might break your focus in a different way than when you're going into work could even be things like, Oh, you're looking at that load of laundry piling up and you're like, Oh, I'll just put a quick load in. And then all of a sudden it becomes laundry day. And every 20, 30 minutes you have to get up and swap things out. Or you're looking at your counter and you're like, man, like I'd really like to clean that. Or maybe a nap sounds good or TV time. Like there's all this other stuff that we're used to in our normal environments that make it, um, that make this, the shift from home to work a little bit more challenging. And this is part of one of the, the great benefits of having a dedicated work space or a work environment where, you know, you wake up, you roll out of bed, you go to the office and the office is designed intentionally, hopefully intentionally to help you like get into that mindset of we're here to to do our job. We're here to work. We're here to collaborate. You know, you don't have your TV sitting in front of you. You don't have that pile of laundry. Like you said, you don't have children or family running around. You don't have these constant distractions trying to pull your attention away. Your attention is really supposed to be on the work or, you know, collaboration. Right. And one of the good recommendations that I've heard for, from Matt is to make your workspace something that's not your relaxation space. And that resonated with me. Um, I did a, a some basically sleep therapy with Stanford um, a couple months, a year ago. And one of the recommendations I got is like, you know, your bedroom is for sleep. And so you sort of make it that oasis. You don't watch TV in the bedroom. Like you don't read there. You just, you sleep there. And it's the same sort of mentality where you say, no, I work here, whether it's your kitchen table or you have an office space, um, like don't sit on the couch and, you know, with the remote right next to you and think you're going to get a lot of work done, like actually like create a space that you can go to and move away from. It can be really hard, especially, you know, I have a number of friends who live in San Francisco and they live in studio apartments, tiny, tiny apartments. And so essentially they have their bed and a kitchen and maybe a little living space and that's, that's it. And it's all open and it's there. And it's very hard for them to find that dedicated, focused space. Uh, However, there are things you can do to kind of build that, right? Um, Whether it's just setting up an extra chair, setting up a a table, even having that table face the wall, as boring as that sounds, like just doing some small tweaks to adjust and help your brain say, no, this isn't normal home time. This is, you know, focused yeah. work time. Or normally like, or, um, like clearing off other things that aren't really, you know, maybe you have normal stuff on your desk and you need to like sort of make a workspace or getting yourself into a mode right when you're like, I, when I have my headphones on, I am working. Um, just anything that helps 
set up the environment around you to be to help with that focus. I want to talk more about temptations in a second, but another part of what we're describing here is it's kind of funny. I, I imagine that a lot of people hear these kind of um, tidbits of insight and say, you know, oh, I don't need that. I can wake up and I can work in my bed and it's going to be great. It's going to be so, so great. But the the reality is psychologically, your brain really has these compartments uh, and when you're sitting in your bed, your brain is saying, this is like relaxed time. This is bedtime. Yeah. We're going to just hang out here. It's much harder to do the work. Another thing that our brains tend to do is think about how we are addressing ourselves. So for example, if you know you're going to work from home, get out of bed, take a shower, or, you know, go about your morning routine and put on your business clothes as if you yeah. were going to go to work. And this one's interesting to me because I've been doing, um, I do a, a work from home day every week just because we have a long commute, but it's a day that I choose to actually start at 6 a.m., and end at two or three, um, sometimes longer because I have need to work on my boundaries. Um, but in, on those days I would sort of like, I would, I would, well, there's days when I would work out at 4am, but there's times where I would just get up and, you know, just, you know, not, not do my hair, pull it back in a bun, leave my workout clothes on and just like start working. And I've realized now that I'm doing this every day that I need, I need a transition. And so, um, I did a, a zoom happy hour with, um, some of my girlfriends yesterday and they were like, wow, you're like, you look really put together. And I was explaining to them, like, I need to do that. I need to make sure for me, it's like, I put a little bit of makeup on. Um, I put a, well, a, a dry clean only like something on, like something that I would wear to work, um, rather than just throwing on sweats, um, and make sure that I like I take the, take the moment to make myself feel like I would going to work. It's not about being presentable because I feel like I'm presentable no matter what, but it's about making that transition where I'm with intention saying I am getting ready for my work day. Um, and so that for me is like, actually like, it's also been like getting coffee, um, and carrying all my stuff out to our office space to make sure I have it and sort of like setting up and having a, a ritual, of getting ready for work. And then on the weekends, I'm like now making sure that that changes to be the non-work ritual. Yeah, I love that idea of having this transition and having it be very uh, clear. One of the easiest ways I think to, for to do that, for people to do that is not just to get dressed, but also just put your shoes on. Like have shoes sitting by your desk. You don't have to walk around with them. But if you put your shoes on, you know, now you're in business mode because most of us don't go to the office and take our shoes off. And if you do there's something wrong with you. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a good one. I just thought of another one. You put your shoes on. Oh, put real pants on. That's the other one. Like real pants, like wear jeans. Don't like go into the leggings and sweatpants. Like that's just a slippery, slippery Unless that's your thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, yes, this works for me. It may not work for everybody, but it's, you know, you know, when you're on video calls, they can only see you from like the shoulders up. And so it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity to like let, you know, not, not even wear pants, I guess, if you want, but really like put, put real pants on. It's a metaphor, I guess we can look at it as a metaphor. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, you get up, you hopefully have some, some dedicated space for doing serious work. You've prepared yourself physically. Hopefully that helps with your mental transition as well. You're sitting down at your desk to work. What happens now? So I think now there are some additional temptations that we're starting to see and people are starting to think about. One of those temptations is um, this idea of not having to let people know that like 
you're in this work mode, right? So maybe you log on to Slack, maybe you send a few messages to people, maybe you, I don't know, attend a meeting or two. But other than that, the rest of your organization has no real insight into what you're up to. And again, when you contrast this with a real world environment, people can see that, you know, you've showed up the office, you say maybe good morning, you're sitting at your desk, we're all there together, we're all working. When you're on like just Slack, you have like a little maybe green notification that says you're active, but no one has any idea if you're just quickly logging in while you're getting coffee or something. Yeah, the accountability is quite low. And I honestly, like, I think that's one of the things that companies worry about when thinking of going, you know, considering going full-time remote is that um, what will pro- productivity be like? And to be perfectly honest, like productivity, and there, there's a lot of other reasons for that now, but like productivity, I think, is a little bit lower when we start to adjust into a um, remote workforce. So like, how do you hold yourself accountable then? Because everybody in the company will need to hold themselves accountable. And I, I, I remember like when we were at Facebook, we'd have work from home Wednesdays. And there were times you just couldn't find anybody on a Wednesday. Like, you know, they were all hanging out in the park in the sunshine with their dogs because um, you'd see them posting on Facebook. And it's like, that doesn't mean it's a free day. It just means we, we did it. Well, technically, it was no meeting Wednesday just so people could get focus time, which meant that people would work from home, which meant that they would do other things. That goes back to that temptation part. It goes back. Yeah. And so the, the accountability, like, yeah, it's going to be strong, especially right now where we're all trying to take care of our mental health, too. Like, it's going to be it, it's definitely harder to be like, hey, how am I going to have my most productive day today? Um, and that's something that everybody has to explore and discover. I do think there's uh, a tangential point here around the actual value of working from home and having the ability to step away from that work environment and, you know, play with your dog or even watch like 30 minutes of a TV show or do something else, right? Having that break, it can be really, really beneficial to you and your productivity. The problem becomes when you let that draw take on way more time than it should, right? Right. That's an issue. Well, I was going to say like, it's, it's, when you sit down, it's like, what is your plan for the day? Like evaluating meetings, seeing when you have breaks. Some uh, The downside of working from home is sometimes you get so far into a groove or into a zone that you only work and you forget to do things like eating. There's times where I've started at six and at three o'clock I start shaking and I'm like, what's, what's wrong with me? And I go, oh, I didn't actually like build in time to have lunch or breakfast or um, the dogs are looking at me and I'm like, no, 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 I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And so how do you, you know, stand up every hour, um, go on a walk when you need a 15 minute break. Um, and so a lot of folks that I've been talking to have found it helpful to have a plan or to set Slack reminders. Um, our, our workplace experience team has actually set, set a reminder up for us on Slack um, in one of our public channels at noon every day to be like, Hey, did you remember to eat today? <laughs> and I think that's so thoughtful, but it's, it's all about like, you know, knowing when distractions are distractions and knowing when things like breaks and tasks outside of work are helpful to help you continue to build your productivity. And the other thing here again is to proactively communicate that status with your peers. So if you're sitting down and oh you're gosh, working yes. on a Google doc, just change your Slack status to say, you know, riding a dog. Or if you're going to grab a coffee in your kitchen and it's going to take you two minutes, change your Slack status, grabbing coffee. Uh, if you're just hanging out and maybe your like brain is starting to get fried or you're getting a little cabin fever, change your status, open to a conversation. Like, yeah, be proactive and signaling these I love that. And, and here's why. It's like, think of, the, think of building those habits when you're not in a remote environment. Um, need some focus time, heads down. 
Um, that would clearly give a signal for anybody who wants to swing by your desk or message you that um, you're not available right now or open for a chat or just like, you know, jamming out to tunes, um, any sort of public indicator. And that alleviates some of the things one of my teammates was talking about earlier, which is like, I feel bad when I ping somebody. Um, setting your calendar up for, you know, if you know you need to take a lunch break, blocking 12 to one. I have one of my teammates. He's always like, okay, I'm going to take a break now. And I'm like, I'm so, I'm always so impressed. Like I'm never like, oh no, you shouldn't take a break. I'm, I'm always like, oh yeah, I should probably take a break too. Uh, but blocking that out in your calendar. And some people are, are more like in tune with when they need to take breaks and might not need to plan it. I'm not. So I need to actually say, okay, I've got, you know, eight hours of meetings today. I need to actually move some things around so that I can stand up. And then right now I've started to change my sort of like focus time blocks to no work, like break time. Um, and that way people know that I'm actually not going to be working then. Yeah. I feel like one of the the results of working in these really hectic environments as product designers today is that a lot of us would end up putting on our calendars focused time blocks. Now, I think that since we're all remote and we don't have a lot of the ability to check in on each other in the same kind of ways, we might start seeing people add to their calendars like open time where they're doing focused work, but they're open to like interruptions or other meetings or conversations or things like that. So another temptation that I think we're seeing as a result of people being remote, and this is something I've certainly seen in working with distributed teams, is there's this temptation to just send a quick message. It's on Slack, it's an email, and maybe it's a text message or something. Let me just, we'll have this conversation uh, via text. The problem with that, as many of us hopefully know, is that a lot of the nuance in a conversation is very easily lost in digital messaging. You don't really know if people are being serious or sarcastic. You don't know if um, like what their intent in the conversation is. It's There's a little bit of a delay. It's kind of strange. You can't really see how they're responding to what you're saying. So even though it is easy to send these messages, you also need to really work to understand when is a conversation more appropriate for a video conference, for yep. example, or a phone call. Yeah, this is something that um, I think is really important in general for any sort of back and forth communication. Um, the tone... Tone matters so much when you talk and it's really lost in email or Slack communication and things can feel like they're getting intense when they, they aren't, especially if you're sort of chatting over a tough topic, if it's just like updates and like, Hey, how you doing? Um, that those could go either way. Um, one thing, one good guiding sort of principle is just assume best intent. Like right now, particularly is a time where, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to just assume that people are super focused on work, but our minds might be elsewhere. We might have other things that we're dealing with. We might not be feeling great. We might have anxiety about a new situation. We might have other stuff going on, but beyond, um, the whole pandemic that we're facing right now. So, you know, starting things off with saying like, not only do I assume that they, you know, are coming at this with positive intent and, you know, just mean the best, but also like, I'm going to be kind to people because we're acknowledging that we have a lot going on in our lives. And I think that should hold true across, you know, when we get out of this thing too. Um, so assuming best intent is really important. Another thing that I learned when I was at Udacity and had some folks who were working remotely was, you know, emojis and giffy, uh, or gifs are something that, we may think are cute, but they're actually, they serve a really powerful 
um, they serve a really powerful use case in that emojis are as expressive as our gifts. And one thing everybody at intercom is like, you have the best gift game. And it's because I actually used it as a, as a tool and really practiced how to support my written word with some complimentary expression. And so that way people know that even if I'm just having a Slack conversation and the words seem intense, I can send something after it that, that shows them how I'm really feeling. And I, I, I particularly think I'm pretty good at written communication um, because of that. Now there's also a thing with written communication where it just takes more time to go back and forth. And so knowing when to like, just say like, this is taking too long. Let's chat is, is a, is a skill. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I think there's a lot more nuance there that people just kind of have to figure out for themselves and their cultural norms inside of their company and their team. But when in doubt, you know, of course, assume positive intent, like you said, but also just ask, should this be a video call? Yeah. And you Easy. Know, ask that as often as you can and let people know why you're saying that. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing you can do. Um, so let's say that you've identified that there should be a video call. You should be having a, a more face-to-face conversation, even though it's digital. Uh, what often will happen, especially in larger group settings for video calls, is you know everyone's engaged, they're chatting, we're going about business as usual, but someone has their camera turned off because they don't mm-hmm. feel like they're ready, they're not presentable, maybe they had to go do something really fast. This is a big no-no. Um, if you're on a call, it's it's kind of like being in a meeting in the real world and having someone just constantly be focused on their cell phone. Like, why are you in this meeting if you're not paying attention? So you need to kind of make sure that you're showing up. If you don't feel comfortable with how you look, honestly, like say as much. Hey, guys, I don't really feel great, but uh, I know it's important to show my face here and be involved. So here I am. Yeah. And I'm saying this because um, when I was working at Atlassian, we worked with uh, Trello, the company, and they are a fully remote company. They don't have offices or they didn't at the time. And one of the lessons that they learned in their culture that really matters for working remotely is that whenever you're on a meeting, everyone in that meeting needs to be on their own individual kind of screen. They need to be represented as an individual. So while we were working in Atlassian and having VCs with their team, what would often happen is because we were in an office space, we would kind of go into a room and there'd be three of us in a room on one screen and then someone else on another screen, someone else on another screen Mm -hmm. and so on. And it became really difficult to kind of balance the conversation when certain people were in a room. It was hard to see who was talking. We didn't really know who was focused, um, who was actually there. Like there's something to be said for having your face visible. Yeah. And I, I think this is this goes also like goes in line with the assumed best intent. We've done experiments both um, on my team here at Intercom and uh, on my design team at Udacity with cameras on. And something that I learned from these experiments is like sometimes there's some like pretty valid reasons why people don't have cameras on. I have one teammate now who her her laptop is going to like it just like it's on fire, like literally it just heats up whenever the camera's on. So she usually just sort of says, hey, I'm going to turn my video off. My, my computer feels like it's going to explode. Um, or once somebody was biking to work and was um, on <laughs> uh, was on the hangout. And so he said, hey, I'm biking. It's not safe for me to watch, you know. And so what, what I learned from that was having, you know, you can start with a camera on policy, but like make a kind of guideline that if you're not going to explain why, um, you know, there's sometimes uh, parents have kids in their lap and it's like they know that that would be more distracting for us. Um, but really it is, it is important to have your faces available and, and honestly, like talking back to accountability or speaking back to accountability, 
it's really easy when you turn your camera off to go onto Slack or do other things or not be engaged and sort of half listen. And so it's a tool that you can use to hold yourself accountable. Um, one of my teammates right now, he actually um, always keeps his mic on too, because especially with our newer MacBook Pros, if you type, they have a really tappy tap sound. And so he knows that if he leaves his mic on, it'll pick up that sound and it keeps him from multitasking and doing other things. Mm. I love that. That's, that's really great. And yeah, you're completely right. There are of course instances where you just shouldn't have the camera on for one reason or another. You should try to be proactive in having that on. Um, I would say if you can't at least make sure that you upload a photo of your face to, to hang out or we use zoom at least have like some representation of your identity on there as you're part of this conversation. Yeah. And, and it's also worth, and I don't, I don't know who like actually would have clout to say, to talk about this, but we've, you know, we just did, we have a bunch of like big team meetings. Um, and some of them we Google live stream, like for all hands and things like that. Um, so that, we won't have people sort of like accidentally turning on their mic and disrupting what we do in that scenario is we, people are engaged on Slack. So we have a general channel. And so if we're doing like a show and teller and all hands, all of a sudden that Slack channel starts popping off and you can really feel the energy and you know, who's listening and how they're thinking about it and allows you to participate in a community. Um, yesterday we, we normally use um, the Google suite, but we experimented with using zoom for a, an, um, an SFR and D team meeting. And we do a Friday, excuse me, we do a Friday meeting, um, every other week just to like kind of close out the week and we set it up on zoom. And it was really interesting to me how, you know, just the features of different products allow you to have better engagement. And so for us zoom, like I noticed that I can actually like scroll through the people list and see their cameras. And so if somebody, if we're talking about somebody, like we gave an award to a teammate, like I can scroll and find their screen and watch their reaction. And it's much more engaging than just, you know, watching whoever by default shows up on the screen. So using, you know, pushing back on the tools or experimenting with new tools, especially if they have free, um, experiences and are, are obviously like follow all the, you know, data safety requirements that your company would need. There's, there's some value in doing some exploration to find the right tools that are use are, are, are right for you. Yeah. I, I've really grown fond of using zoom. I will just kind of give a shout out there. Um, we recently used it for one of my Stanford, uh, leadership courses. And for those who don't know about some of the features of zoom that could be really beneficial, Apart from being able to see who's in the, the call, you also have the chat channel, which of course Hangout, Hangouts has. But Zoom also has some interesting features like raising hands. You have a button where you can raise a hand and the moderator will oh, see who's raised their hand. That's awesome because I'm somebody who has a, a hard time getting a word in edgewise sometimes. And sometimes I like literally do that in a meeting room. I'm like, I've got something to say. So I love that. For workshops, Zoom also has a breakout feature where the admin who is running the meeting can select a subgroup of participants and say, okay, I'll press this button and you'll all go to individual rooms essentially. And then the moderator can pull you back in. Uh, so if you need to like workshop or something exactly. or do some, yeah, that's awesome. So there's a lot of really cool things there. Okay. So good. I, there was a couple other things I was thinking about and, um, one is really about like still building community. Um, one of the biggest downsides to working remotely is, um, feeling disconnected from people. And at most of the arguments, for remote working, um, don't really take this into consideration. Like I've got people who are just starting to like feel really down because they're extreme extroverts. They get their energy from people. They really want to be face to face and it's really hard. And there's, there's sort of two things here. One is like 
people benefit from face-to-face communication and another is like mental health, um, which is maybe something that we can get into at another time for remote working. Um, but in order to like take care of yourself when you have that deep people connection need, how do you set up rituals and things that allow people to feel connected when they are sort of in isolation for their, for their day to day. And so we've ended up doing a couple of things like for our lunch hours, um, we had a high top table that, you know, fits maybe eight people and every lunch it's like packed and people are sort of like coming, eating their lunching and leaving. And it's a very social time. And so we've done things like set up a, just a meeting invite. That's like the high top table that people can come and go, even when they're working from home so they can have a conversation. Um, in our personal lives, we're seeing people have like remote happy hours. And I did one last night where we just like kind of sat and chatted. And so how do you create, um, sort of formal space for people to be able to connect? Um, and we've definitely, even in our team meetings and the things that we need to connect, we've sort of like given a little bit more space at the beginning of meetings to make sure that we have time for like some little, you know, some chit chat and some, you know, making sure everybody's doing okay and like telling, you know, funny stories and things like that. So you actually have to build time for those. Those won't happen on their own. Um, anything that that you've been thinking about around that? Well, I want to quickly point out the opposite of that is also true where you have a lot of introverts who are like awesome I get to stay home I don't have to see anyone I don't have to talk to anyone literally me I can hide away um there's a problem with this in that this is again another one of those temptations where I feel like people either fall on one end of this or the other you're either very proactive in setting your status letting people know what you're doing reaching out to people, setting up meetings, VCs, all these things. Or you're on the other end where you're like, I'm just going to go heads down, focus on my work, stay quiet. Maybe I'll call into a meeting and turn off my camera, uh, but maybe I'll see if I can get out of that. And like working remotely just gives you, it goes back to your accountability part. It gives you this kind of temptation to just hide away and just focus. And I, I think there are times where you probably do need to embrace that and leverage that. But a a really important part of being remote is being proactive and being present. And even if it's really hard for you as an introvert to, you know, send a quick message to someone, think about the differences in how that enables you to do so kind of a little bit more comfortably because you are remote. Like the conversation can go at your pace. You can say what you need to say. You can kind of be in this space however you need to be. However, you need to be proactive. A good example of this is like sharing your work. If you're working on wireframes or a document, Take a quick screenshot, share it in a Slack channel and say, hey, everyone, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Here's what I'm working on today. I will be heads down for the next three hours. This is what I'm working on. I'll give you another update after that. Yeah. And I like I'm very conscious. I'm always conscious of people's style, um, their preferences for how they work, how they communicate, because I'm, I'm a big fan of not forcing people to change their style, but finding ways to get the same results within different styles. Um. There's still, there's still, even when you're remote, obviously you still need to succeed at work. Like you still need to be performing. You still need to have the right kind of output, the right kind of process and not having, if if you don't have, um, strong rituals in place, like critiques or whatever the thing is, you have to make them for yourself. And it's not necessarily about visibility by being loud. It's about, or being extroverted. It's about how do I keep people informed and connected to what I'm doing? And so, 
Um, it's, it's probably easy for a lot of folks to sort of pull back into their cave and feel really nice and cozy in there. And honestly, like I'm, I, I am loving my time, um, sort of like tucked away. I also have like a, 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 a lot of meetings and so I get a lot of FaceTime with people, but you sort of have to modify how you share and how you connect. Um, I'll share one fun thing that we've been doing, um, on our intercom design team, just because it's, it's not really related, but it sort of is, um, one of our, our principal designer in London, Patrick was saying, Hey, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time sort of transitioning from home to work. And so he's given us a five minute challenge every day before we sort of like get into Slack or email or projects or whatever that is, he'll like pick a word at random and we'll each do a tiny little sketch. Um, five minutes, that's it on sort of how that word inspires us. And then we share with the team and we're in different time zones. So we sort of end up sharing at different times. Um, but it's a, it's a nice way to, to keep community, but we're actually, actually, we're actually posting something like we're actually sharing some work. Um, another thing that we do is we do a screenshot Thursdays. And so on Thursdays at like, you know, 2 PM or something like that, we get a, a Slack reminder to post what we're working on. And so we post a screenshot and then we post a little snippet about what's going on. And so those are sort of like ways to be connected without a lot of investment. Um, it's very lightweight. It doesn't require a huge write up or a, like a voiceover or anything like that. It just sort of, um, helps keep tabs on what's going on. And it builds connection, which is yeah. the crucial part of like having these healthy relationships with those we work with. Um, at Atlassian, the head of design for the platform team, Alistair, he, every Monday he would post in our Slack channel, okay, everybody, like, what did you do this weekend? Just upload a quick photo. And just seeing what people were spending their time on and having those photos, whether they were on vacation or just hanging out with the family, mm -hmm. even like watching movies. Like I think I would regularly upload photos of just like my TV because yeah. <laughs> that's what I did during the weekend. But like having that as a, it's a low pressure way to stay connected, to start a conversation, to especially to kick off the week. Like it's, it's just a nice thing you yeah. can do. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we do at Intercom really well, and we've talked about this before is we set goals. We set six week goals, which is half of a quarter. And we set weekly goals. Um, there's some teams now that are setting daily goals too, and just finding mechanisms to quickly say, Hey, this is what I'm going to achieve by the end of the week. Not, this is my task list, but like, this is what I think I'm going to get some outcomes towards. And so finding ways to share those too, like that's a more um, business focused way to say, Oh, somebody's working on the same thing I am. Or, you know, I, Ooh, I've got a tough goal in front of me. I might need to plan and make help or plan to get help. So there's like a lot of, there's a lot of ways to, um, stay connected, um, both socially and continue to build that community and to keep your work moving forward. The last thing I'll say here is for many of us, not everyone, but for many of us, this is a whole new experience. It's a whole new world. Like we have a lot of these companies, I mean, Facebook, Airbnb, I think Apple just started this. I know, I know Intercom's doing this as well. Now we're all kind of working remotely for the first time. And so there's not really a right or wrong way to do many of these things. And I think as uh, whether you're an IC or a leader, you should try to approach this as a little bit of an experiment and let everyone yes. know, hey, we're all doing this for the first time. What if we tried this? Or what if we tried this new tool? Or, you know, I'm even just expressing, hey, like, I'm not really sure if this is going to work out, but I want to try this new thing. And then see how people react and just experiment a little bit. Yeah. And I think um, this is an awesome time for reflection too. you know, asking yourself things like, hey, how is my productivity? How, how, how are my relationships at work? How are my relationships at home? How's my physical health? How's my mental health? 
Um, what's, what's sort of being like highlighted and is, feels like a really great experience. What am I finding challenging? And then, you know, compare that to either, you know, when you go back to, a uh, um, an in office environment or think about, you know, how it was before, because I think there's a lot of people just assume that, you know, a remote job is what they need. Like I hear so many junior designers coming out, um, who are like, I, I need my, I'm ready for my first job. I just got out of school and, you know, I'd like to be at this kind of company, this size, but I also need it to be remote and putting a lot of constraints, um, on what they think they want to get. And in reality, they haven't experienced either. Um, so I think there's something really valuable to, you know, considering this an experiment, figuring out what your tweaks are, what do you turn off? What do you turn on? What do you dial up? What do you dial down? And then, and then taking some time to evaluate it and say, yeah, this works for me or this doesn't. And I think that will help. I, I mean, I was strongly opposed to remote because I believe in community and, and being on site really works for me. Um, now I'm sort of in the space where I'm like, oh, I can see the value of it. And I think we, we may move from a place where we have really strong opinions to sort of tempered opinions. So. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, as always, we really hope you got something valuable out of this. And if you haven't yet, please like and subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us there. You can also find us both on Twitter. I am at Tanner C. I'm at Jazzy33CA for California. Yeah. And in the meantime, be safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. (laughs) 